0: But it's good to see everybody today. Today is Mother's Day, and, and uh, I thought, with today being Mother's Day, that today would be a really good day for a pep talk for mothers, all right? Now, some of you are not mothers, and uh, we'll will, uh, still get something from this, because What we're looking at today, obviously, it's going to have a good application for mothers, and I think it'll be very helpful, but I think for all of us as believers, if we put ourselves in the context of some of these things that we're about to be reading together, we're going to be looking at a variety of scriptures this morning. I think you'll see an application for yourself there as well, as we seek to be men and women who follow Jesus Christ. But today, in particular, we want to acknowledge and, and honor the, the work and the sacrifice that mothers make. And so we have a little pep talk here for you. And we're going to start, the first scripture we're going to start with is uh, from Luke chapter 13. And I'm going to read Luke chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, and then we're going to revisit that in just a moment or two. But this is what it says, starting with that passage of scripture. It says, and this, by the way, was Jesus speaking. He said, "Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, The city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. Then he says this, very interesting statement. He says, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing? Behold, your house is forsaken, and I tell you, you will not see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your blessings and for the opportunity to come together today and to worship you. We thank you, Lord, that in the midst of this time we have the the opportunity to look at your word and to just see what it states and to grow in our walk with you as a result. Lord, we thank you for each person that's here with us this morning. And today we particularly acknowledge our mothers. Lord, we're just so grateful for them. And we pray that your hand of blessing would be upon those who continue to serve In that role, we pray that you give them your encouragement. We pray that you give them your guidance. We pray, Lord, that today that as we look at a portion of Scripture or several portions of Scripture that that really have an application that that can be directed right in the direction of mothers, we pray, Lord, that that they would find this encouraging, that they would be uplifted and inspired from the teaching of your word. And again, Lord, we thank you for them and for the difference that they make in our lives. So, Lord, we commit this time to you now and we pray that you'd speak to us all. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So, few things in life seem to be or seem to offer the perfect blend of being equally challenging and equally rewarding as motherhood. When the Lord gives a woman the opportunity to to be a mother, she often experiences a lot of excitement, she often experiences a lot of happiness but she also experiences a lot of fear and a lot of exhaustion. Motherhood brings with it a lot of happy tears, also brings with it a lot of sleepless nights. It's filled with moments that you instinctively know what to do. I remember when, um, when Andrea and I uh, started having children, and I would watch, it was like a switch got flicked on in her mind, and she instinctively, there were things that she knew what to do and sounds that our children were making that she knew what they meant. And I thought, I'm seeing a side of you I've not yet seen. How do you know what that means or how do you know to do this? And she's like, I think God told me because I just, I just know. And so there, there are moments when you instinctively know what to do. And then there's other moments when you have no idea what to do. So it's filled with these dichotomies. It's a job that will simultaneously exhaust you And keep you up at night. But here's the truth. I think we could all agree with this. Life on this earth would not be very pleasant without mothers. Can we we agree with that? Life on this earth would not be very pleasant without them. In some ways, they operate like the conscience of a culture. And I think all of us, even my my grandmother has passed away many years ago, but my dad tells me on, on Sunday mornings, when he's tempted to sleep in, he said, you know you know what I hear? He's like, I still hear my mom's voice saying, get up, <laughs> get up for church. He's like, so I, I stopped, I get up for church. You know? He tells me that quite regularly. He's like, yeah, I still, still hear my mom's voice in my head. They're the conscience of the culture. You think about what a mother does. They nurture, they guide, they bless, they hug. And when their time on this earth is finished, we who are left spend the rest of our lives missing them. I was even thinking about this this week. My, my son, Daniel, his prom was Friday night, and uh, he received the, the information on the color of the dress that his date was going to be wearing, and he was thinking about what to do for a tie, and I said, you know what? I've got the perfect tie. I have a tie that my mother gave me that will match your date's dress perfectly, and it was kind of neat. It's been about four years since my mother passed away, and it was kind of neat to see a tie that she had given to me as a gift being worn by my son at his prom, and so when you when they pass away, you just you, you spend the rest of your life missing them. And if you are a mother, I'd like to show you a few things from Scripture that I hope will encourage you today. I I, I think from time to time we all need a pep talk. One of the things, as I've observed, my wife and her responsibilities and her role and all the different things that she does, I know from time to time just a good word can be something that really bolsters your heart, and so I do hope that these scriptures will supply your heart with that today, and one of the things that I think the scriptures we're looking at today help illustrate is, first of all, speaking directly to moms, your compassionate heart demonstrates the heart of Jesus. Now, let me reread a portion of the scripture I just read from Luke chapter 15, or Luke chapter 13, I should say, and and Jesus said this. He said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, and then he says this, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing? Let me pause there for a second. So when you look at Luke's gospel, when you go throughout the gospel of Luke, it's one of the largest books in the New Testament, and uh, when you go throughout Luke's gospel, a a large portion of that book, and it's kind of interesting to notice this, but a large portion of that book actually records the events and the conversations that took place just during the last week of Christ's earthly ministry. And this portion of Scripture from Luke 13 is one of those passages. It's something that took place during the last week of Christ's earthly ministry. And in it, you have Jesus lamenting over something. He's lamenting over the fact that the inhabitants of Jerusalem were rejecting him. The very people that he came to save, the very people that he came to rescue, they were dismissing his gift of salvation because they wanted political solutions more so than they wanted eternal life. And by the way, that's not just an issue that was unique to their era. Uh, I'll let you in on a little secret. The primary criticism that I receive in present day related to my preaching is that I don't spend enough time preaching about the political narratives of our day that are being churned out by our news cycle. Usually like once or twice a year I'll receive feedback related to that, uh, that you don't Talk about the political narratives going on or the things that our news cycle is churning out, and I have to confess something to you. I'm going to keep preaching the scriptures, and I'm going to keep talking about Jesus every single week, regardless of what the news cycle happens to say. And uh, well, thank you. I wasn't, I wasn't fishing for applause, but I, I'm going to high five that. Um, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why I do that. If you're ever wondering why I do that, why you don't hear a lot of what's going on on, on the, the TV from the pulpit, it's for the same reason that Christ was lamenting over Jerusalem. It comes from the same, same thought, the idea that our hearts are really never going to find rest or peace through political s- solutions or news outlets, that stuff changes all the time, and a lot of that stuff is really just drummed up to get you and I worked up and get you and I mad at each other and get us focused on whatever fearful thing is, is coming down the line. By the way, if, if you haven't heard yet, uh, major bird flu coming through. Until the next thing, right? And then there'll be the next thing. So if you want to know what to worry about, I know where to tell you to, to go. But if you want to have lasting peace, I also know where to tell you to go and that's through Christ. And he comes to Jerusalem, and what did they want? Political solutions. And he's like, no, I'm going to offer you something better than that. Way better than that. And those that lived during that era of Christ's earthly ministry, you find them just over and over and over again. They keep putting their hope in politics. And so Christ grieves over their lost condition. You know, he looks at them, and he, he says, all right, I'm sad to see that this is where your mind so often goes. And when he describes what he came to do for them, and when he describes how he desired to protect them, and when he described his mission, notice how he phrases it here. He phrases it in very compassionate terms. And it's actually the kind of compassion we see most visibly in culture. We we see it most visibly demonstrated by mothers, most likely, or in most cases. And the way Jesus uh, phrased this here, he said he wanted to gather... The people of Jerusalem, who who again were just looking for a political solution. He said, No, that's not going to fix things. He he wanted to gather them like a hen gathers her brood under her wings. That's how he described it like a hen gathering her, like a hen keeping her babies warm, right? You know, she watches over them, she protects them, she nurtures them, she keeps them close to her heart. That's what Jesus wanted to do for the people of Jerusalem. That's how he wanted to minister to them in that era. And it's interesting, when I look at that, I think to myself, I think, boy, that's a series of actions that, that mothers put on display every single day, isn't it? you see moms do that all around you? You know, and moms, I don't know if you realize this, but the compassion that you show your children can actually be a very powerful reminder, a very powerful example of the compassionate heart of Christ. Here you have Jesus speaking compassionately about what he desired to do for the lost people of Jerusalem. And the compassion that you show, especially as it's empowered by Christ, can be something that points your children right back to Christ. There's something else I want to show you from Scripture today. That's this. The work you're doing, it's hard, but it's going to bear fruit. Let me show you something from John chapter 15. This is something Jesus was saying to his disciples, and uh, he makes this, these comments to them in verses 16 and 17 of John chapter 15. And He looks at them and he has this to say. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Now, when you have a sense of calling or when you have a sense of mission, I think the tasks that you're asked to accomplish, they come easier than the things that in life we tend to feel like we're forced to do that maybe don't seem like they're tied to some sort of a greater purpose. And in this passage, you have Jesus speaking to his disciples, and he's talking to them, and he's telling them some very specific things. He gives them some clarity regarding their calling. He wanted them to understand the nature of their calling. He he made it abundantly clear to them that they were specifically chosen by him for the task that he was entrusting to them. And as he loved them, he was calling them to love one another and to demonstrate that love to other people. He was also just calling them to do work that would bear lasting fruit. He was also encouraging them to be people who come to God the Father in the name of Jesus Christ and ask Him for the help that they absolutely would need as they were doing the things that they were called to do. And I I just want to have a just throw this question out for mothers to just think of in light of some of the things that Jesus is saying to His disciples here. But if you're a mother, have you ever viewed your responsibility with the sense of calling that the original disciples of Jesus possessed. You ever thought of it through the lens of a calling, through the lens of your earthly mission? Here you have the disciples being called to go out into the world and make disciples of Christ. And just out of curiosity, have you ever noticed this? In our culture, in our world, where does discipleship most frequently take place? Where does discipleship most frequently take place? Much of it takes place in the home, does it not? In fact, probably in many cases, most of it takes place in the home. And there are countless examples of mothers throughout history who, who understood their role as a mother, not just as something that, that was something that was just out of a sense of, of responsibility, but also out of a sense of calling, and it was their calling to invest in the lives and in the discipleship of their children. So will your children make your task of discipleship or your task of rearing them or leading them, will they make your task easy? No, (laughs) they will not make it easy. Uh, Will some of them mature faster than others? Yes, absolutely. Some of your children will mature faster than others. Will some of your children break your heart in the process of growing up? I think that's highly likely. But with the perspective of time, I think the day is going to come when you're going to be able to look back and you're going to be able to declare that it was all worth it. The seeds of the gospel that you have planted in the lives of your children are seeds that one day are going to bear fruit. And the fruit that is produced is fruit that will remain for all eternity. The work you're doing right now has much value. And I think it's useful for us to remember that and for us to to think about that, especially if you're in the process right now of where you're you're maybe even asking yourself, the investment that I made in this child or the investment that I made in this child, is it ever going to pay off? Are they going to mature? Are they going to develop a strong faith? Are they going to come to a spot where that fruit starts to become visible in their life? And I believe that it will. And I believe it's particularly helpful when we look at at the responsibility of motherhood through the sense of a discipleship calling. It's not just something that gets handed to you, it's actually something, it's a task that you are chosen for. And you have Jesus reminding his disciples that they were chosen for that task, and mothers, I believe you were chosen for the task that you've been given as well. But here's something else I hope you'll remember. Don't give up even if you're feeling exhausted because you might very well be feeling exhausted or you can certainly remember a time when you were feeling exhausted. I love what we're told in Galatians chapter 6 verses 8 and 9 because in that portion of scripture it says this, for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption but the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life and let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. So last week, and some of you probably noticed this, I had the opportunity to visit with several friends who have been part of my life since I was in single digits. And and, uh, it's kind of fun when you realize that there are certain people in your life that have been there that long, you know, and they're still willing to be your friends. That's pretty rare sometimes, right? Um... But people that you've known since you're in your single digits and you think, boy, we're still friends. I've learned there are very few people outside of your family that will remain part of your life for that length of time. So when it happens, I think it's very special. And, and we ended up spending quite a few hours together um, last week. And so there was lots of time for conversation, lots of time for us to, to catch up. But one of my friends mentioned that his 80-year-old mother will still leave gifts for them hanging on their mailbox. So whenever they come home and they see something hanging from their mailbox, he always knows that it's his mom that's put something there. And, um, and he, he said sometimes it's fruit. So sometimes they'll come to the mailbox and there'll be a bag of fruit hanging there. And they're like, oh, mom was here. <laughs> uh, sometimes it's something else that she picked up at the store that she thinks that maybe they'll, they'll enjoy. And she'll pick it up and hang it on the, on the mailbox for them. And, and he said that he's grateful for her kindness and he also said that to this day, she remains one of the most energetic people he knows. It's Like, she's one of the most energetic people I've ever met. So, moms, what do you think? Do you feel energetic? <laughs> What's the laughter for, right? No, I think that there are many tasks in this world that actually make us feel like we're, uh, our, our energy is sapped. And, uh, and I think, without a doubt, the tasks that require us to serve other people can often be the most exhausting. Wouldn't you agree? I think sometimes the tasks that have not just that, that physical activity component, but also the emotional component where you're serving someone that you deeply love, someone you know you would give your life for, and someone that in many respects you have made that kind of sacrifice on their behalf, those are the things that could be the most tiring and the most exhausting, and, um, and when you look at mothers, you see them do that all the time. And if you're feeling exhausted right now, I just want to encourage you with the words of these scriptures here that we're looking at today. Don't give up even if you're feeling exhausted. Don't give up even if you're feeling exhausted. Here in the book of Galatians, you have the Apostle Paul. He was giving wise counsel to the church as to what it looks like to become spiritually strong from the core. Because one of the problems that was present... Uh, at, in the church at the time were, were people that were really just going through the outward motions of trying to look outwardly religious, but they weren't really wrestling with the issues of the heart. So you have the Apostle Paul talking about what it actually looks like to to um, be spiritually strong from our core, for it to be genuine, and not to just go through the motions of outward religiosity. And he reminds us that we will sow in or. I guess I should say it this way, that what we sow into our lives will eventually come out of our lives. So what you're investing in your life, it's eventually going to come out of your life. So if you sow sin into your life, you're eventually going to reap destruction, and if you live to please the Spirit, you'll eventually reap the righteousness that He supplies. It's a very logical thing. But Paul also reminds us in the midst of all of this not to grow weary as we're engaged in the work that the Lord's entrusted to us to do. Don't grow weary while you're engaged in it. And sometimes I think that that statement's maybe a little bit easier to say and a little bit harder to live out. Because there are times, and I'm sure whether you're a mother or not, you know, men, I I know that you've experienced this too, there are times in life where where we go through seasons where we just feel a little weary, right? Maybe Maybe you feel that way right now, or maybe you can think of a time where you felt that way. And certainly the Apostle Paul, I think, could identify with it. And he recognized, hey, if I'm feeling this way sometimes, maybe I ought to say these things to the believers that are also feeling these things. And, and, uh, and sometimes, you know, we, we grow weary as, as we're engaged in the work that the Lord's entrusted to us to do. But here we're told that eventually it's going to have its effect. A harvest will come from it as the Spirit of God does His work. So I'd like to encourage you to keep that in mind as you serve and as you minister to the the children that the Lord's entrusted to your care, to the children that the Lord's entrusted to your influence. And if you're relying on your own energy, and if you're relying on your own wisdom, and if you're relying on your own strength to carry you through, I have to caution you, that's the recipe for eventually burning out. Because those things have limits. But if you're relying on the help that the Lord offers... And if you've come to the spot where you've realized, listen, at the end of the day, there's only so much I can do. I can live consistently with what the Lord's called me to do. I can teach and and model and instruct and, and guide. But much of parenting, I think, oftentimes comes down to entrusting our children to the Lord's care and praying for them and realizing that some of them are going to take a while to get it and some of them are going to get it early. So rejoice over the victories that you see And be patient for the victories you haven't yet seen, but stay optimistic. Because if you're relying on the help that the Lord offers and the wisdom that He blesses you with and the strength that He supplies you through His Spirit, I believe the day is going to come when you will see a harvest of righteousness. The days may seem long. The trials may seem painful. The sacrifices you make might seem like, Maybe they're being responded to with a lack of appreciation or maybe even some outright defiance. But stay hopeful. Don't grow weary. One of the benefits that you're experiencing in the midst of this process is that as you try and invest in the spiritual growth of your children, your faith is also being something that that the Lord's stretching and giving the opportunity to grow. So there's a benefit to you in the process And the benefit typically comes when it's not so easy, because it's in those moments that you learn to rely on the Lord and the strength that He supplies, and then give it enough time and you're going to discover that He is sufficient, and the strength that He offers us is exactly what we need when we need it. Your faith in Christ is being given the opportunity to grow, so don't give up, even if you're feeling exhausted. But let me say something to all of us in the room as we look at one additional scripture today. And that's this. If we want to follow the example that Christ has set, we need to set our minds to honor and care for mothers. I'm going to show you what I mean by that and why I think it's fair to say that Christ has set this example for us. But in John chapter 19, when you look at verses 25 through 27, there's an interesting event that takes place here. I mean, this is a portion of Scripture where Jesus, he's in the process of being crucified. And so the things that he's saying here, he's actually speaking from the cross. So he's been nailed, he's been beaten, he's been nailed to a cross. There are people mocking him and, and uh, laughing at his expense and, and enjoying the torture that they're watching him go through. And in the midst of that, something else takes place. And you can see he's setting us an example that I think is is useful for us to keep in mind, an example of honoring and caring for mothers. And this is what happens when you look at verse 25 of John 19. It says, But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved. That's a reference, by the way, to the Apostle John. So it says, when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Now, if you knew you were about to die, What would you be thinking about? You knew you were about to die. What would you be thinking about? You'd be thinking about yourself? Or do you think you'd be thinking about other people? By the way, I realize that that's kind of hard to answer because if we're sitting here today, we haven't had that experience yet. Although maybe some of us have had moments that we felt like we're kind of close to that. But I think the example Jesus gives us here is very, very instructive. So when Christ came to this earth and when he took on flesh, he was entrusted to a young couple, Joseph and Mary, and they were called to care for him during the early years of his childhood. And after Jesus was miraculously conceived by the Holy Spirit in Mary's womb, and Mary gives birth to him, Joseph and Mary had additional children after that, through natural means. So just the natural way a family has children and, and grows, and, and two of their sons that came from their marriage were James and Jude. And I don't know if you've noticed this going through the books of the New Testament, but James and Jude wrote books that are part of the New Testament. But at the time of Christ's crucifixion, they they didn't have faith in Jesus Christ. At the time Christ was being crucified, they were not believers in Jesus. They came to believe in Jesus sometime after his resurrection. But as these words from the cross are being spoken, James and, and Jude, the other sons of of uh, Joseph and Mary, they didn't believe in Christ at this point. Uh, but by the way, I, I think that their eventual faith in Jesus is something that's amazing, and I think it's actually a very interesting form of, a, uh, of assurance that actually points us to who Jesus really is. These were men that grew up as brothers with Jesus, and they were willing to believe that he was God in the flesh. It's a pretty strong testimony from a couple people that knew him pretty well. Wouldn't you say? You know, when you look through the scriptures for things that are convincing proofs of who Jesus is, if these two men who grew up as his brothers were eventually willing to come to a spot where they said, yeah, he indeed is God in the flesh. That's a pretty convincing proof. You have siblings. You would never, you would never say that of them. <laughs> and James and Jude were able to look at, at their big brother and say, yeah, no, he, uh, that was God. That's, that was God among us. Well, it's believed that Joseph, Christ's earthly father, who was given the responsibility to to oversee him during his youth, it's believed that Joseph passed away sometime before Christ's public ministry began, because there's no record of him interacting with these things. And so it's believed that he passed away sometime before that publicly ministry began. And, um, And so the responsibility for caring for Mary, it would have been a responsibility that Jesus, as the oldest son, would have taken on. That would have been customary in that culture. But now here he was being crucified, and there his mother is right there in front of him. And that responsibility to care for her, which was something that was an important responsibility. It's an important responsibility in any culture, but it was particularly important in that culture. That responsibility needed to be passed on to somebody else. And so here you have Jesus nailed to a cross, and he's in the process of dying. And he looks around. And he looks directly at the Apostle John, and he says, I want you to take the responsibility for Mary's care. I want you to be the one that does it. And then Jesus looks at Mary, and he says, I want you to think of him as your son from now on. So he's going to look at you and, and say, you're, you're my mother. I'm going to treat you like my mother. And I want you to treat him like he's your son. And he, he makes that interchange, that agreement, as he's being crucified on the cross, But then that begs the question, why didn't he ask James and Jude to do this? Because he had other brothers. Why didn't he ask James and Jude to do this? I have a few guesses. I think one guess that might be a plausible reason is is the fact that that he maybe didn't ask them to care for Mary at this point yet because as of yet they were still unbelievers and maybe even somewhat immature. But I also think it's possible that, that... that Mary's care was entrusted to John for a different reason. James and Jude came to faith in Christ after his resurrection. And when they came to faith in Christ, they actually took on a leadership role in the early church. People looked to them as as leaders. At one point, people were looking to Peter as the leader of the church in Jerusalem. But then after a while, uh, as Peter was, was continuing his ministry and doing some other things, they started to look to James as the leader of the church in Jerusalem. And, um, and so you have James and Jude leading in different capacities in the early church, but they were soon martyred in the midst of their leadership. Their lives were taken from them as they continued to proclaim the gospel and lead the church. John, he lived for several decades after them. lived for a good long time, you know, about 30 years or so, after James and Jude, were martyred. And in fact, John was the only apostle who wasn't martyred. They tried to martyr him, he just didn't die. History tells us that they attempted to actually boil John in oil, and that for the rest of his life, he bared the scars of of going through that, but somehow he lived through it, which is a miraculous thing in and of itself. So he did not die uh, a martyr's death like the others did. He lived for several decades after them. He's the only apostle who wasn't martyred. And so in his foreknowledge, it would not have surprised me to, to think that this might be a moment where Jesus, knowing what was about to happen to James and Jude, and knowing what the plan was for John and for the longevity of his life, what, that what he was doing with that foreknowledge was suggesting a long-term solution that would be ongoing benefit to Mary for a sufficient length of time as she lived out the rest of her life. And I think it might have also had the dual purpose of giving James and Jude the liberty that they would need to be able to focus on the ministries that were about to be entrusted to them without also having to focus on Mary's care. And when I think about the example that Jesus is setting here, I feel like there's definitely something we could learn from, what he says and what he does here. The Lord doesn't just tell us to honor our mothers. He demonstrated what it looks like to do it well. So if we value the lordship of Jesus Christ, and if we want to follow his example, I think it would be right for us to give some extra thought to how we choose to honor and care for our mothers. Now, if your mother is living, which I know applies to some of you in this room, if your mother's living, honor and care for her. Do both, honor and care for her. I'll tell you, um, my, my mother and I, we were very different in some ways and very much the same in other ways. And there were seasons of time where my mother and I did not see a lot of things the same way. And I remember one of the things over time both of us decided to work on was the nature of that relationship. And one of the things that our family had the privilege to do, and we shared this responsibility with one of my sisters, was during the last five years of my mother's life, for half the year, she would live with us, and we would care for her, and for half the year, she would live with my sister and her family, and we would go back and forth depending on my mother's doctor's appointments. And so when she had a doctor's appointment that was in Northeast PA, that would be during the season, she would stay at my sister's house. And when she uh, didn't have those appointments, then she would come down here. And I have to compliment so many of you here in the church for uh, really just adopting my mother as, as your friend and spending time with her and inviting her to things and driving her to things. And She was, I'll tell you what, she was really, really nervous when I suggested to her that she come down here and live with us for part of the year, because she had always lived up in northeastern Pennsylvania, and I'll, I I mean, she's in heaven now, so she wouldn't be embarrassed by this the same way she was on earth, so I think I have her permission to tell you this, and if not, I'll find out soon. But um, she cried on the drive down here. She cried. I, I met my sister in Allentown to pick up my mom. And uh, I said, "Well, you're ready. You know, you're going to get to meet some new people and experience some new things." And she cried on the drive down, for a variety of reasons. I think I think she just she felt like you know I, I hate that you guys are in a position where you feel like you have to care for me. I, I I don't know what I'm gonna like. Will people like me there? I don't have friends and established relationships down there. I don't. I was like, Mom, I'm telling you, you're going to like it, and I'm telling you, people are going to be lovely to you, and it's going to be a wonderful experience. And you you know what? I'm convinced. So the when she lived with us, there really wasn't anything she had to worry about. You know, our kids would set up her iPad for her, so she had tech support, and they would hang, like a lot of times I'd come home, and I'd see uh, my daughter Julia just sitting on on, uh, my mother's bed with her, and they'd just be sitting there talking and reading through things, or just, you know, just socializing and just hanging out for long periods of time, and uh, we'd eat dinner together, and she got plugged into all the different things here at the church, and there's all sorts of things like that, and I'm convinced, because I knew how bad her health was, and I knew how many times we, uh, we were really close to losing her. I am 100% convinced in my heart that that extended her life. I'm certain it did. It, there's no way it couldn't have, because if, if things continued the way it was, th- there's no way she would have lived a, a few more years based on her diagnosis and some of the things that she was wrestling with. So that was a real blessing, and I look at that and I think, All right, so if your mother's living, honor and care for her. Do both. Honor and care for her. Figure it out. Honor and care for her. Make sure it gets taken care of one way or another. But if she's passed away, and by the way, Mother's Day is a day that a lot of people skip church. I don't know if you know that. They either skip church because of something that they want to be the case for them that they feel is not yet the case, or they skip the day because they don't want to be reminded of how much they miss their mom. So I don't know if that's you today or if anyone listening or watching the live stream is kind of feeling some of that internal tension, but Mother's Day can be a little tricky for people because of that. And I want to suggest something that I think is good for us to do on Mother's Day. If your mother has passed away and you're thinking, like, how do you honor and care for your mother once she's passed away? Continue to honor her memory by passing on to others the things that she taught you and living out the kind of life that would be an answer to the many prayers she prayed on your behalf. I don't know if you've ever noticed this in Scripture, but prayers don't have an expiration date. Scripture talks about it like something that, you know, you pray it, and then it gets collected in heaven, waiting for the eventual eventual response. So the prayers that your mother prayed on your behalf are still valid. They're not old news. They're still active in the spiritual economy of things. And so if you want to honor your mother and she's passed away, live a life that honors Christ and would be an answer to the prayers that she prayed on your behalf during the course of her life. You can honor your mother by doing that. And I think it's wise to do that. Even if you had a, a, like moments, like I could point to a bunch of moments with my mother and myself where we c- had conflict and things I think back, I'm like, oh, usually the things, my biggest regrets in life are usually the things that, that have come out of my mouth. You know, it's usually something I've said that I'm like, wish I could have that sentence back. And guess what? You can't take them back. It, it is what it is. So what do you do? Do you like feel bad about it forever or do you say, like, it's ancient history? Love keeps no record of wrongs. Don't beat yourself up forever. Can't go back and fix those things. I'm telling you from the perspective of, of heaven and eternity you, the, that your mother is able to look at and be like, oh, we all goofed up stuff. I just didn't tell you all the stuff I goofed up. You know, She goofed up stuff too. You goofed up stuff. We all do it. Jesus is perfect. We're in the process of maturing. But if you want to honor her, think about the things she probably prayed for on your behalf. Some of which, maybe some of those things are still waiting to be answered. Those prayers don't have an expiration date. Honor her that way. Because in honoring her that way, you're also honoring Christ. That's a dual benefit. Mothers are one of God's greatest blessings to this world. And I think that there are many of us who could testify to the many different ways that the Lord has used their lives and used their care and use their wise instruction to point us directly to Him. So to those of you moms within my hearing right now, those of you in the room, those of you on the live stream, those of you listening via the recordings after the fact, thank you so much for what you do for the children that the Lord has entrusted to you. Thank you so much for the ways that you have a positive impact on culture. Again, I said it it earlier, and I think in many respects, moms are the conscience of a culture. And uh, we are grateful for you. I think we're all better people because of you. I think there's a lot more patience in this world because of how the Lord ministers to us through you. I think there's a lot more nurturing and sensitivity in this world because of the way the Lord ministers to us through you. And we know that we are all really good at breaking your heart. (laughs) We know that we're all really good at stressing you out. We know that we're all really good at keeping you up late at night, and uh, you're welcome for how healthy your prayer life became because of us. It's a small favor. You deserve it. But no, we're grateful for you. And uh, to those of you in the thick of it right now, we're going to offer up prayer for you in just a moment. To those of you that feel like you've graduated to another season of motherhood, we're going to thank you for your example and pray for you too, because there's a new generation the Lord's given you to influence. And we're also just going to thank the Lord for the mothers that he's blessed us with that are in his presence right now. We're grateful for them all. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for who you are and for how you operate in our lives and for the things that you place in our lives that are meant to be protective and instructive. And one of the instructions you've given us in your word is that we're to honor our mothers. It's something you directly told us, that if we do that, it will go well for us. It will actually extend our lives. We'll live a longer life if we choose to honor our mothers than if we choose to ignore the counsel and the wisdom and the guidance that we receive from them. And so, Lord, we, we just want to thank you for the way you have created humanity, how you've organized humanity, how you've set things up, for the counsel that you've given to us and how you, in your sovereignty, ordained that that we would have the opportunity to have the mothers that we had and for many of us to be the mothers that we are. And so, Lord, we want to pray for mothers right now that right now are in the midst of seasons that feel testing and trying as they're patiently and lovingly trying to guide the young lives of their children and their children may not yet fully appreciate all that's being done for them. Lord, it always seems like When we come to a spot of fully appreciating it, it feels like it's too late to say thanks. But Lord, we just pray for the moms right now that are in the midst of all of that struggle, that that you would just give them the strength and the wisdom that they need. We just thank you so much for them. And we thank you for the ways in which they're impacting so many young lives. Lord, we thank you for those who are grandmothers, And Lord, when I think back over the course of my life, I can testify to how you blessed my life so thoroughly in addition to my own mother. You blessed me with so many bonus influences through my grandmothers. And there's so many things that I look at and I think, yeah, that's directly the case in my life because of this grandmother, that grandmother. Lord, I'm just so so thankful for them. And Lord, we're also just thankful for the fact that that when we think of things from an eternal perspective, that we realize that the way you describe prayer in your word, you don't describe it as something that expires. And so we think about the things that our mothers and our grandmothers very likely prayed about on our behalf. And so we have the the opportunity to honor you and honor them in in the same action by just thinking about what it would look like to actually live out the answers to those prayers. And so, Lord, we pray that we would take that seriously. We pray that we would glorify your name in the process. We're just so thankful, Lord, that someone would even take the time to pray on our behalf. And, and Lord, we're just so grateful that, that our moms certainly did that for us. And, Lord, we're just grateful for the fact that today, in the midst of all things, that we can come to you and realize that you are sufficient Lord, we don't have to rely on our own strength, we don't have to rely on our own wisdom, we don't have to rely on our own endurance, but you give us the things that we need so that ultimately the tasks and the calling that you've placed upon our lives are things that we can live out. And thank you, Lord, for the reminders that you've given us in your word that we don't need to grow weary as we're seeking to do what you've called us to do, but that we can rely on you completely in the midst of everything that we face. So Lord, we submit ourselves over to you. We thank you for your presence in our lives and we pray that we would walk with you faithfully each and every day. And Lord, again, today we pray that you would just rain a a special blessing down upon mothers and that you'd encourage them and strengthen them today as they walk with you. We thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.